It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, welcome back to the Host Podcast, a podcast all about HBO's Westworld. I am Doug Norrie, that is... James Davis. And we are going to be talking about Episode 9, The Well-Tampered Clavier, which premiered uh, on Sunday and continued the train of Westworld reveals, I guess we would say, <laughs> uh, going. Um there was this episode, you know, we talked for a minute of, uh, offline about this and then just decided to say, hey, let's just start recording because that's why we started doing this in, in the first place. Um, g- I mean, give me your initial impressions about this episode and wh- how it sort of fits for your overall feeling of Westworld the, as a whole, as a show. I mean, we'll, we're going to get into the, each individual storyline and kind of break down some of the things that we learned here. But in terms of how you left the episode feeling about just like the long-term viability of Westworld. What did you, what, what were some of your thoughts there, I guess? Yeah. So I, I have trouble digesting this because on one hand, I find the world of Westworld to be compelling enough that I'm willing to excuse a lot of like little issues. Like for me, if I'm going to watch a show, I'm going to watch it to enjoy it. Not to like, you know, sit around being mad or complain on Facebook or on a podcast or anything like that. And I do think that we're now getting to the point, especially with some of the big reveals in this episode, where I think the writers and the show itself has to just be held to a little bit of a higher standard because we can, you know, introduce some plausible deniability when it comes to multiple timelines. And, you know, when creating multiple timelines and this really intense world, you know, a few continuity issues here or there or things that can kind of be explained away. But I did leave this one feeling, particularly with the way that the Bernard Arnold situation was handled, like I'm now starting to wonder if we really can trust the creators of the of the show to you know, do it justice, I guess, you know, to do this world justice, to do the story justice, because the Bernardo thing in particular just kind of felt like it didn't make total sense to me. Well, it made all, I mean, it made almost no sense at all. So like, okay, so let's, okay, let's get into this situation because this was probably the big, Yeah, let's not bury the lead. Right. This is the big reveal in this episode is that Ford, it has extended, you know, Arnold comes, kind of comes online and is now really curious about wanting to get back into his past and where he comes from and, you know, open up his mind to all of his memories. And he sort of forces Ford, uh, I mean, doesn't sort of, he puts Ford at gunpoint and says, you know, show me everything. And, and we learn. Of course, we later learn that Ford could have not done it, but he just chose to, to see if Bernard would make a better decision about it or whatever. Sure. Yeah. Ford was never really in any danger from Clementine shooting him at all. But, um, but you know, we're, we're not aware of that at the time, I guess, when, when we're watching. Correct. And so, yeah. And so we learn that Bernard, I almost can't even say it without laughing. Bernard is Arnold. And I know we, I know, I know we kind of had this theory, this Bernard theory, which we've been sort of discussing up into on the podcast up to this point, but the way it was revealed that he's like the same guy makes no sense. I mean, like it makes, I mean, maybe you can explain it in a way that makes sense for me and I'm not positive you can, but I mean, the fact that he's just like the same dude and now he's a robot. 
I mean, who thought this was a good idea? You know what I mean? Like, well, I, so and, and and right. So we did. I'll say we called it. I mean, with yeah. help from other internet people and whatnot. But the signs were there that this was like particularly uh, his discussions with Dolores about finding the maze and all that kind of thing. Like, we definitely had some signs, and it you know kind of makes sense. But the big issue, of course is that he's a carbon copy right. physical representation of the guy who allegedly died in the park. So like, you know, the, like the fact that no one, when they were interviewing for this job was like, Hey, you, you gotta, so this guy just came in. Remember Arnold who used to work here? Oh, the founder guy. Yeah. Yeah. You got to see this guy. Tell me he doesn't look like, come in like, here, like come in here. Steve, Steve, who does this guy look like? Don't, I'm not going to say anything. Steve, who does this guy, does this guy look exactly like, does he really remind you of somebody? I'm not going to say who. <laughs> he's he's well, like, yeah. So like, I guess for me, Steve, it's, it's interesting because not only is he a cell for cell replica of Arnold, <laughs> but he has all the same mannerisms and the same voice, but that's kind of crazy. This huh? is crazy. Like there's no, <laughs> like I was willing to subscribe to the art, the Bernardo theory. <laughs> well, I, this is what I mean. Like you can't, you can't even say it with a straight face. Like I was willing to subscribe to the Bernardo theory when we thought that pot, there was a possibility that Arnold's consciousness had been uploaded to Bernard, right? Like that his, like sort of like the, 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 you know, the little picadillos of Arnold or like the, the way his brain operated, like that part had been, had been uploaded into the Bernard Bonnie. But the part where he's just the same exact guy and no one seems to notice or care or whatever, like, I mean, look, we've talked about the inconsistencies about the world within the office park, um, about how things sort of, some things kind of are all knowing and some things go unnoticed and there's been sort of some right. inconsistencies along that line. This one's too egregious to ignore. It makes no sense. I, like I, I'm almost, again, you put it well that we need not pick apart every single little thing with a show and then just decide if we just hate the show based on like one thing. Yeah, but, just don't watch a show if you don't <laughs> like it. It's always been my theory. Right. Um, this one's close for me though because I do like the show, but it just seems so ham-fisted that we would have the same exact guy that just and, – and he's inhabiting the body. Nobody seems to notice and he just is Arnold. Like it, it ended up not even being a reveal for me. It ended up just being kind of like, oh man, I mean really? Well, and, and that's exactly right. Like, And I mean we talked about this a little bit but I think that – like so picture a different way going because you know, another friend reached out to me and said, so explain to me why I even care right. that Bernard is a copy of Arnold. Like leaving all the continuity issues aside, like why does this even – matter you know and mm -hmm. i think he makes a good point because while it's a reveal and that it's surprising like what are the actual implications other than because we already know that ford kills people right and we already yep. know that ford makes you know secret hosts in his basement so it's not like that doesn't really reveal anything totally new and we already know that he made bernard so so the fact that he's arnold or like a replica of arnold's uh consciousness like, what does that really reveal? And so, like, picture going a different way, right? Like, so instead, what if the hosts, instead of saying physically the name Arnold, they were like, oh, the leader or the master, right? And they're mm -hmm. like, they're all the hosts are talking to this, you know, unknown person called the master. We don't know who it is. And then Ford comes to Bernard and says, yeah, the master was my business partner growing up. He was very vain. Maybe he just makes up a total name. Yeah, his name is Jack, right? Um, and his name was Jack. And, you know, he he was fine but he got off the rails and died in the park whatever you still do the same whole thing and then dolores goes down to see the master and bam it's bernard right, right. like that would be something because now we're like oh crap like he was you know that bernard is arnold and then you can like go through that whole cycle but we're already sort of wrestling with who arnold is and we've already had a big reveal about who bernard is so like what extra information is this or how does this change the trajectory of this of the story it, it doesn't for me 
frankly, it even makes it more confusing going forward because you're going to be confused about which character you're seeing. I mean, this is, again, I mean, we're fully assuming that he's a full carbon copy. That was what the picture revealed, correct? Like, we're, we're correct about this, right? Like, the picture yes. of them, okay. Like, the fact is, going forward, you're not, you know, if they were to do flashbacks or time continuity issues, you're not going to be sure which one you're seeing. And that's not a good thing, right? Like, it's not a good thing to wonder which version of Bernard you're getting. And so just making him the same body, I, yeah. I, I, well, how about the fact that Bernard hasn't aged a day since he's worked there? Right. Like, he's been <laughs> the head programmer there for 30 years or whatever, and he hasn't aged a day. And, and Ford has, right? Like, th this stuff is just... And again, it's not like I don't know. Uh, I, again, I, I don't. Want, I want to run the risk of being too hard on the show in general because I still find the world compelling, sort of the thought experiment. And there's interesting storylines going on here, but this one was a was a dud to me. I don't have any problem being hard on it because we've been so praiseworthy of it up until this point. Yeah, and so, true. like, and so you're allowed to. I mean, as critics, which I guess we'll call we'll call ourselves critics yeah. in this case, like you're allowed to. You know, say say five nice things, and then you can say something. You know, something mean. So, like, I think we've subscribed to that pretty much because we have been pretty praiseworthy of this. But when something is just so so inconsistent, it, you need to. It just needs to get called out, and especially when that inconsistency threatens the long term viability of the show. Like, so this the, something like this, like Westworld, not be able to handle some of these issues. It, it threatens the average viewer just being like, never mind, right? And when you say yeah. that, then that, that actually is a threat to just whether the show is going to be around a lot or around for a couple of seasons because if you're just confused as a viewer – look, I, I watch this show as closely as probably anybody does. I mean outside of some of those people on the Reddit thread, which I sometimes can't even figure out how, <laughs> like, how they figured some of these things out. But if I'm watching – if you and I are watching the show – and again, we're watching it with about as critical eyes you can do it just because we know we're going to talk about it later. Yes. And if we're confused, like I found myself really confused this episode and not just from the confused of like what were the writers thinking. I found myself just confused in a just general plot structure, like about like where what's going on here? What timeline is this? You know, things like that. And if we're if we're confused by that, it stands to reason that most viewers, I would say, are confused by it. And then and if you get too confused you know, you're going to be like the host where your brain tree, you know, your thought tree kind of just starts spiking at things and then you close down and then you just put on, you know, the channel 11 news because you're just like, never mind. I don't need that. Well, and, and there's a hundred, yeah, the timelines thing, you know, time travel, you've talked about this before, but time travel is always hard to negotiate in general. And it becomes, I think, even more difficult to navigate in the world of Westworld because we have this issue of the unreliable narrator, right? So right. the unreliable narrator is like, uh, you know, it's a plot device that's been used numerous times throughout the history of fiction work where, you know, one of the big reveals is, oops, the person who was telling the story was a crazy person, right? So, mm -hmm. like, you know, like the double bind by Chris Bojalian. Sure. Canonical text that everyone's read, I'm sure, <laughs> listening to this podcast. But, well, like, yeah, the, and, and spoiler alert, I guess, don't read that book if you uh, if you don't want things given away. But, but yeah, like this this thing where you get to the end and you're like, oh, man this guy wasn't telling the truth for whatever reason. And I think that can be a useful plot device. And certainly I think as a viewer, you don't want to get in the habit of just taking, you know, each character's story at face value. But the, what the problem with how it's handled in Westworld is, um, you know, so like the hosts, for instance, all their memories are up for debate, right? Like you can't actually learn anything from their memories. Cause we see in this episode, again, you know, Teddy's memory is just changing in a flicker. We see Dolores's memories changing in a flicker. So for instance, big reveals or would be reveals like the fact that she killed Arnold. We can't even trust that because it comes from her voice. So she says that she killed Arnold, but 
who knows? Right? Well, like she's she's insane. <laughs> so it's, well, and yeah. it, you're just or even to use another text that the show refers to a lot, Alice in Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland's entire plot is built on the idea that the, the Alice at the end of it's like, oh, dude, guess what? It was all just a dream, which is like the, to me about as lazy as it gets when it comes sure. to when it comes to writing, and which is another reason I just think that book is just pretty mad. I really can't stand when sci-fi shows like this just continue to refer back to it as like this yeah, conical so text underrated. about right exactly and so like you know as someone that used to even teach you know writing you know both of us have if a writer it's themselves gets to the end you're like and that all that crazy shit that just happened it was all just a dream the end you'd be like no way dude rewrite you know you can't <laughs> like you just, like you can't like you can't end it that way it's super lazy so so alice but if they're using this text as like as this, you know, way to ground some of the characters, you know, they do it a lot. They quote it a lot. Bernard reads directly from it. Um, that's sort of like what's happening here. And you just can't trust it. Right. So that's, you know, the old dream sequence and stuff like that as part of the unreliable narrator is those things are just such huge, huge problems and you can't trust anything. And when you can't trust anything, you just you trust nothing and then you move on. Right. And so this is where I'm just, well, so let's talk about the Dolores thing. Right. So Dolores. So okay, are we done with Bernard? Because I, I we I don't know if we learned anything. We're yeah, we can we can intermingle more stuff probably. I mean, well, we didn't talk about the fact that he shoots himself, and this is again another issue of the hosts, which is the hosts don't actually die. So Bernard puts a gun to his head and pulls the trigger as Ford walks away, but we don't know if that's like Ford sending a message to him or like this is actually he's going to put Bernard out of commission. Because the other issue, of course, is that. There's no brain inside Bernard's head. So if the people get in there and find Bernard's body, they're going to find a bunch of sparking wires sticking out of his head, right? right? So, like, that's a pretty big issue to just leave his body down there. Well, to say nothing of, like, the the dwindling Westworld, like, um, work, work pool at this point. I mean, there's going to be no one. There's going to be no there's going to be no one left to even do the jobs. Like by the time right. I mean, three of the main people are well, just Elsie's dead. dead. Right. Elsie's dead. Teresa's dead. Ashley gets, you know, whisked away by the ghost nation at the end. And now Bernard's dead. Like who's going to even, who's going to wake up and make the coffee in the morning? Like, I don't even know. <laughs> like, I'm not even sure they're going to have enough people. Like there's yeah, not the enough boots. Medical leave gets his throat slit. Aren't even enough boots on the ground at this point. I, like, I don't like, so anyway, it's no, like you got one summer camp where everyone just got sick. Puke summer, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. And then the kids just, just kind of just do whatever they want. It's just like one full on Lord of the Flies. So the uh, yeah. so anyway, okay, so we can move on from Iron. Yeah. Okay, well no, but but again, just to, you make a great point. Is it now? I mean, he might not be dead. Like he could show up in the next episode. Elsie could show up in the next episode. We're not sure. Like we said this last episode that when hosts, when humans are hosts, then all bets are off the table. So we can't trust that Bernard's bullet through his brain is the end of is the end of that character. Um, Dolores's situation is mildly interesting. We mentioned the part where. She says that she's the one that killed Arnold. We'd sort of speculated that being maybe the critical failure that they had referred to 30 years past. Um, we, I, I found myself very confused with the Dolores timeline issues here. This is the problem when she kind of is flashing between multiple, we, we suspect multiple timelines. So she's like in that Confederate right. camp. She gets stabbed. She runs away. She's no longer bleeding. I'm confused. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I didn't understand that either. <laughs> right. I was actually hoping that like smarter heads like you would prevail here and be like, no, 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 no. Like this was, this is what happened. Like, oh, you know, this makes sense. But like, I just don't get when, when and where she's traveling to. I mean, she goes to the town, she gets, you know, she gets into the elevator, she goes down to the basement and, and, and at the risk of just like replaying the entire episode, because I'm just confused. Like, what do we really get from that whole, inter that in entire interaction? Okay, so there was, I think, some takeaways from that, you know, that that little trajectory or that arc that I thought were interesting and worth holding on to. Um, 
you know, so I think, first of all, just the nature of Dolores's opinions on the park, um, you know, we now learn, and it's kind of weird too, because she had been with William the whole time, like, I'm going to get out of here and like, let's find the place where the water meets the land or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're captured by Logan. And she says something like, um, you know, get, you guys all think I want to get out of here. If it's so wonderful out there, why are you guys all clamoring to get in here? And it's like, okay, well, it kind of seemed like you wanted to get out of there. And right. <laughs> you know, the reason they want to come in is to torture people like you. But anyway, um, you know, we have the, uh, the big reveal, I guess. Well, there's multiple reveals. The first one is, and again, this is like an example of the potential of Westworld and something really artfully done where Logan shows William the picture. And then yes. now the two li- timeline theory is kind of solidified, right? And that was a terrific example of the show don't tell. Like, here's the picture. We know now this is in the past because in the future, uh, Dolores' dad finds the picture like buried under dirt mm-hmm. and... You know, and we know that Dolores has been rewritten and she's like, well, that doesn't look like anything to me. And and, you know, we know like that is a great connection point that you can start getting your mind churning on. And then, yeah, she gets stabbed and then she walks away and she's in another timeline. I, I still don't understand. I don't know why she didn't needed to stop bleeding, like why she couldn't just but still I, be think, bleeding. I, I um, think they do those things to suggest multiple timelines, except that it just ends up being confusing. Right. Like there's no other. Cause so the idea is that she relives that same plot again. Like maybe William comes back in the future and this time she runs away, but she hadn't been stabbed or. Well, like and she enters the church and there's the people that are sort of like, you know, crazy. people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Finding, you know, that they're praying and then she comes back out and they're gone. Like this happens a lot with her. And again, this has happened in multiple episodes where, you know, her, you know, either her brain is misfiring, you know, her, her, her core programming is clearly misfiring in the sense that like she's on multiple loops and we've always suspected that. And actually sometimes the multiple loop thing is a cool storytelling plot, um, where you get, where you can sort of like speed up through decision-making processes, or you can say that like, you know, all, everything in Westworld happens on these loops. And, and that is kind of interesting, except that here again, it's just very, very confusing. I was, I'm totally with you on that. I would just like to know which loop we're on, you know, like exactly. Even if you want to run multiple timelines on me, that's fine. But like, the part where you're mid scene switching in and out just gets to me to be, it's just more overwhelming than it is compelling. And I, I don't think like, again, for, for someone who just watches the episode and rewinds it and pauses it and takes notes, like all that stuff, like that to me, I, that troubles me quite a little bit. Um, oh, one interesting thing I thought from Dolores when she's talking to Logan and she gives her perspective on, and and you know, I think this again solidifies kind of the Arnold versus Ford uh, you know, the two camps, I guess, where she says to Logan, you know, there's beauty in this world and Arnold built it that way. But then people like you have spread over it like a stain. And, you know, Arnold's view that, you know, maybe the host should become lifelike or could gain sentience and Ford's view that, no, these are just robots, do whatever you want with them. And those two warring views of the park and kind of, you know, it it would also sort of speak to the man in black, you know, if the man in black is William, which is what we have assumed for quite a, quite a while now. It would make sense because he's always been in the the host can be something more than this, um, and maybe he gets jaded and becomes more experienced. But um, you know th- those two warring factions and why the man in black wouldn't get along with Ford as well, right? So and then just real quick because you mentioned him, Logan. We get heavy doses of Logan this episode. Um, yeah, I mean it is so brutal. Every scene with him is just so. It, it it makes me just like it gets my shoulders up like I, I get like I get nervous in the sense that I'm getting nervous because it's so bad like when you like when you watch like a reality TV show and the characters making all the wrong decisions you know or something like that and you know it's like a real life thing and I, I have trouble with like with when I feel awkward for something and I like <laughs> like 
this is just this is a classic example of just feeling awkward like every scene is so is so bad with him and it's so it makes no sense and he's like this classically evil guy except he's not really evil he's just kind of a joke except that i'm not sure the show realizes that he's a joke like i i can't i just can't even i I need a great way to put it i need no i need no more scenes with him at all his his the time and whatever he brings to the show which was never much, which was like basically just to bring William into the world and like show you that like people kind of do bad stuff. It's over. There's nothing else that he gained. There's, <laughs> there's nothing else you gain from his character except that like, except I, I honestly, I, I wanted William to just kill him. Like I was like, just maybe this is the, crit- I, I was actually hoping that the critical failure was Dolores killed Logan only because then we just have no more of him. Like, um, yeah, well, and Logan, I think it's so interesting. Another just great example, I think of a lost opportunity or a missed opportunity because there is actually and this is a, another take that I, I saw on Reddit as well, so shout out to those folks. And it's so spot on, because I was wondering like what kind of bothered me about their interaction, Logan and Williams, because on one hand, the stuff Logan is saying to William is very sensible, right? Like, right. you know, when the when he finally just flips the script and is like, hey, dude, like, you know, this actually is just a game, right? Like, this is, these these are actual just robots. Like, we got to cool down. Like, you're actually going to get married to my sister in a week. Right. Like, you can picture that scene going in such a way where William actually does have a moment where he's like, oh, man, what happened here? <laughs> like, right. I just got really, really, you know, swept up in this virtual reality world because, like, but the problem is that since Logan was just so cliche, over-the-top, terrible, he actually just becomes where he could have been an interesting Shades of Grey guy, right? Like, like picture Logan as... So, like, say you're playing Grand Theft Auto, right? Mm-hmm. And you're playing with a friend, and your friend is, like, running over the people on the sides of the road, you know? Like, you would be, like, in this day and age, the only people you would expect to be horrified by that would be, like, someone's grandparents, right? Like, they're like, oh, my gosh, you're killing people in this game. Like, just because most people understand that that just happens in video games sometimes these days, right? Right. Um, <clears throat> but now if that person was sitting there cackling and, like, totally delighted and, like, you know, jumping up and down with glee at running over the people in the game, you'd be like, well, this is a little bit weird, right? And like, <laughs> this person might be, like, Logan also takes it too seriously, I guess is my point. And so when he circles back around on William and is like, whoa, dude, slow down a little bit. Like, it's actually not that believable that he would go there, right? Because his whole thing is, yeah, this is all made up, but, like, I enjoy just reveling in, you know, the hedonist nature of it. And I think, again, much more interesting might have been, like, yeah, he's the experienced gamer guy and he's like showing William all like, look at this crazy thing you can do, right? Like you can just shoot someone and it doesn't even matter. Um, and William maybe is a little bit uncomfortable, but but it turns out William actually is just kind of crazy. I mean, oh, yeah. he's putting a, putting a knife up to a real human being's throat for threatening a robot who like definitely is just going to get respawned at some point. Like that is the person who kills the person over the game of Call of Duty. Like that's not the protagonist anymore. <laughs> and, so, and so what could have been interesting... I think, you know, I certainly felt the same way you did, which is still like William has a good heart and he's trying to figure out his way in this world. And like, you know, certainly these characters are more realistic than the Grand Theft Auto ones. But yeah, like it's like, again, Logan just I'm so frustrated by him because this episode actually showed me that he could have been really interesting, but just totally fell flat. Yeah, it just it, it becomes the, the, the writing for him is bad. And again, they, they, they spend so much time. Um, hammering home this thing about Logan that I guess they want you to know about him, which is that he's a dick, you know, like, and I, I just, anyway, I, it's just frustrating. I just, I, I could, I could do with no, no more scenes of him going forward. Um, and I, and I it's not, uncle- it's a little unclear to me whether he actually makes it out alive. Like he, um, you know, the, if we were subscribed to the man in black is William 
timeline, which I think we're pretty much clear, totally clear at this point on, is that it's, you know, he's clearly there by himself now with no mentions of the outside world or like friends or family that he still has. Presumably he still ends up marrying Logan's sister, right? Like, and she's the one that commits suicide. I'm assuming that's the same person. Um, oh, I, I guess that would actually make more sense now because, you know, like say Logan does go back and like just tells her what's been happening, you know, or like it goes home and expresses reservation. It's like, listen, man, William kind of went off the deep end in Westworld. And she like maybe just tries to live with it and then sees William go back there, you know, for four weeks a year for 30 right. years or whatever. And then she's like, OK, right. This is not working. Or Logan never makes it out of Westworld and therefore and can never, you know, relay that information to her. I don't and, know. I mean, I guess that would be a pretty critical <laughs> failure. I'm just hoping he dies. Of, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think he makes it out. I mean, it would be pretty, you know, again, in the old. I mean, I guess a critical failure could be Logan or uh, Dolores kills Logan and Arnold somehow or, you know, Arnold comes to intervene and she kills both of them. Like, I, I'm not really sure what how that would go, but I don't I don't think he's going to I don't think he's going to die, Doug. I'm sorry. Right. And so, let, OK, so let's go to the man in black then, because, I, I mean, I think we agree that that this, the, you know, the multiple timeline piece that he is the he's the overlapping. He's William. They've, you know, obviously been alluding to that or just really just nodding completely to it this entire time he has an interesting interaction with charlotte in where she enters his world and he's kind of like don't bother me while i'm here like everyone knows this like everyone knows i'm here it's not a secret that he's there people know he's there um and he kind of just says you know don't screw around me while i'm gaming because i don't know you're ruining it (laughs) and so yeah he's a big donor or owner or whatever right and so she she goes to him for the 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 nod to get Ford out of there. And he's like, you know, whatever he want, he'll, he'll vote to, to have her out. Do we learn anything else from his character's thing here? I mean, he was put in real danger when he has the, the, the noose around his neck and the horse attached to it. Like that was kind of a presumably could have gone either way, uh, on his actual safety going forward. Other than that, you know, with him, with Teddy, is there anything that we kind of glean from this part of the storyline this time? Yeah, I think so. Uh, so, the real danger thing, I think this is an interesting world building piece because we now have a couple like it's very obvious by now that a lot of guests sign whatever the waiver is to, you know, take some physical beating. Right. Like Logan gets punched and, you know, the man in black has, has been in physical danger before. And but this one, obviously, we're led to believe that this is a lot more serious because he's tied up to a horse. The horse is blindfolded. I don't know if you notice that. So the idea being that you know, the horse could theoretically override whatever the good Samaritan reflex is and kill him by accident. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's interesting. Um, I'm not totally convinced that. So again, this is like a, another thing where the continuity problems become an issue because on one hand, I'm not totally convinced that the park would have let him just like get strangled by this horse. I mean, given that Charlotte was able to show up in high heels a second later means that people were sort of nearby and kind of letting this narrative play out. It's not like she was rushing in breathlessly to save his life or anything. Um, she's cool, calm and collected and, and kind of shows up and they have their talk. So I don't really think he was in, like, I, I think we're led to believe that he was in physical danger, except he kind of wasn't. And it was part of the game. The The problem I guess I have with is though, well, two things. First of all, just knocking someone unconscious is very dangerous. Like right. you can't just walk up to someone, knock them out cold to where they're unconscious for like, 10 minutes or in this case like we're led to believe hours like that's just coma territory right like that's not you know 
people could survive that, but it's not, that's not like getting punched, you know, in the stomach, right? Like these are very, very different things. And so rendering someone unconscious, unless like there's some secret way they know how to do it that we just don't know about yet, like a chemical reaction or whatever, that stretches the bounds of continuity for me as well. And also just pulling someone up by their neck. Like the old days, when you hung someone, the bigger risk was breaking their neck, not asphyxiating them, right? And so like, it's no joke to get pulled up into the air by your head and neck by a rope on a horse running. Like that's really, really dangerous. And so I don't know. I I think my bigger concern, like what you're voicing, my bigger concern is not so much that is this like that the, the writers, like they're just playing fast and loose with these ideas, like TV shows in general, like kind of have to go back to like the eighties and nineties. It's like, you know, the the old thing, if you ever want to knock someone out, the easiest thing ever is to take the butt of your gun and hit their brainstem with it. You know, like that was just, that's the classic television way to knock somebody out. And like, and, and, and I think that like, and and actually speaks to your issue with like, you know, Charlotte and who's watching them. I'm a little concerned that the show doesn't care about those, like that continuity. You know what I mean? Like that, you know, you're saying that's a great point. Cause when it's all humans, right? Like if you knock someone out with the butt of your gun and if you kill them by accident, well, whatever, like you're just enemies and you know, that's not a worst case scenario for you, right? Like, yeah, you wanted to keep him as a captive, but whatever, if he dies, I just don't think there's consistency with like when people are watching and when they aren't, you know, Charlotte shows up. So it's clear that they have, you know, an idea of where he is in the moment. And so we're led to believe maybe that everyone's always watching, but I don't think that's the case. I think they use it. I think they use that device for when it's convenient, right? It's convenient when you want Charlotte just to show up to have the conversation with him, but it's not convenient when he's getting the crap kicked out of him. So they just kind of go back and forth between the consistency of the safety of the world, right? Or like, well, and, the, and when with like Elsie, like they're like, ah, we just got this blip that showed up in this unknown sector, like. That is just not how that works. Like, real quick, if we're just complaining like, so, about something, like, real quick, if you built this whole entire world built on robots, the fact that you would have like Verizon wireless dead zones, like, in within the park, <laughs> like, where you just this like, this is my only point. Like, I'm not trying to be like, oh, dude, I just went from LTE one. to 3G. Ugh, you know, like, maybe this is our one complaining episode or something. But, but like, again, so just to give people a frame of reference, so we have a a company that deals with sports players, right? right. And we just have like a, a database, and when one of those sports players missing is, or sports players is missing, it triggers an alert, and right. when that alert comes through. It's instantaneous and it's obvious and we fix the error, right? And we're like a two-person company, three-person, and we're a three-person company. When these errors come through, they're fixed in minutes, right? This place, Westworld, like there are just ways to get alerts if like a a person is just in a sector unknown. Like I just – it's totally unbelievable to me. It's believable when you – hate to be a jerk. No, no. It's believable when you know that the writers need to take liberties with the world, right? Because like they need to help the plot. So like the plot is helped when Ashley doesn't have a strong signal because he's now in danger, right? Except that it makes no sense that you would have any part of the park that didn't have strong signal. And so – and the fact that like these characters continue to just go into areas with no signal. I mean I guess that's part of the – And no backup. But the thing is like you could imagine a scenario. So for instance, like Ford could be jamming the signal, right? Like that's a thing that happens. And especially if this Ghost Nation people are meant to – actually cause people real life problems sure you jam the signal and then you move on like with the Elsie thing it would have been very easy for her to just leave her comm device behind like okay well she just didn't bring it because she wanted to go dark you know right fine but like the fact that it pops up on the radar later just zero sense like that would never happen in a trillion billion years and 
that's all I have to say about that. Well, so anyway, yeah, I know we've done a lot of complaining. I think we've, we've generally avoided complaining up until this point with, with Westworld because it just it's, you know, making a complaining podcast doesn't make sense. If you want to complain, just don't watch the show. I get that part of it. Yeah, I think we both being, do. I think we're allowed to be honest, too. And, you know, it's, it's, it's worth noting because people might be looking at it and trying to figure things out, right? Like, oh, what does this mean? I think there, that it's worthwhile to look at the things where you can be like, what does this mean? And separate that from this part to where it's like, Oh, like that just didn't make sense. Like the the like for jamming Ashley's signal would be an example of like, oh, that would be interesting if he had that power, or that would build up the world somehow. Some of the other stuff just doesn't. But but yes, yeah, so let's let's move on to the man in black and uh, some more general observations about him. Well, I just don't. He, um, I'm not sure his story was was further along at all. Like I think that I think that this is what we've been waiting for this last episode, right? We've and I've said this last podcast, but I think we've been waiting for the last episode to have the William and Man in Black uh, storylines converge in 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 the sense that like you know now we're gonna have these guys be the same guy I, I sense that that's where this probably this last episode goes um just because that has been the story they've wanted to tell that plus you know Maeve's character which we can get to in a second but um I'm, I'm just not sure what we learned about him except that you know we, we learned a little bit about Teddy I suppose in terms of like Teddy's memories and how they're kind of botched but I mean is there anything else to glean from from his from Man in Black's uh from his story this episode I think so. I, I think particularly uh, Tulula Riley's character. I can't remember what her name is in the show, um, but anyway, she the woman who was the host what, that yep. greets William at the mm-hmm. beginning of the park, and now she's part of Wyatt's crew or whatever. I think it's interesting to look at her because she's obviously, you know, on a meta level aware of how everything works, and I think that was kind of a big reveal that you know we sort of have multiple hosts reaching sentience in their own way. Of course, there's Dolores reaching it uh, through William. We have Maeve reaching it through her past memories and then her experiences in the lab. And then we have this character who, uh, I think her name is Ashley. Let's call her Ashley for now. Um, So she's coming through and she tells Teddy, like, oh, you're not ready yet. You know, like, maybe in a next life you'll be able to help us out. I think that's actually very interesting because she, uh, she clearly has some other big game going on that we're not totally privy to yet either. And she's kind of trying to use the man in black, but kind of trying to threaten him. And she also repeats that line, the maze isn't for you. So the fact that she's like apparently just going totally rogue in the park also and breaking character and is aware of their existence as, you know, regenerating robots, I think is very, um, that, that has additional implications, I guess. Her character's his name is Angela. Um, she, uh, Angela. I'm yeah, sorry. well, she, this actually speaks, and this maybe overlaps with the Maeve thing, and actually Bernard too, because now if all th- well, okay, at least Maeve and Bernard have sort of mentioned it, and if we think that Angela is working along the same, um, the same level of just like motivation, is that they they you know Bernard says, well, let's go set all the hosts free, you know, like let's just like let's just turn this thing upside down, and that's clearly you know Maeve mentions wanting to build her army, and they're go- they've gone about or tried to go about these things in different ways, like Bernard tries to plead with with Ford to get it done. Maeve is going in and out of the world as she tries to like, you know, get voice commands going and getting just more control over her, her AI. Um, but if there's this whole other group of rebels within the park as Angela being part of that group, um, it probably stands to reason at some point these these storylines converge and that like they all have the same motivations they're just all going about it in very different ways right like she's like living in the world and being you know you know being subversive within like with the humans um not dying over and over presumably right um she's just kind of going about her timeline and, and figuring out when guys like teddy are ready to join the the resistance or when they're not right um yep. that i do find interesting because like you have this you basically have a host army building itself up but they maybe just don't know about each other yet and 
that part I did. That part is that is a very interesting part that I, you think is going to kind of come together at some point. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I think actually Maeve, you know, her storyline becomes intertwined here as well. Um, like the fact that she used a voice command on Bernard was pretty badass, I thought. Right. Um, and, you know, when she tells Bernard, you know, if you're going to go looking for the truth, get the whole thing. Uh, I think she's actually seems like, well, between her and Angela, the most competent people at kind of putting this rebellion together, like Dolores is doesn't seem super i mean she just seems wildly erratic and you know all over the place and Maeve seems to have moved through her all over the place phase and now she's like in game time mode and so the fact that she's recruiting hector and you know they're getting back to the lab on purpose and you know they're just trying to move down progress her plan in whatever way they can it doesn't even seem like Maeve's goal is to escape on her own it seems like her goal is to turn the whole thing upside down um and it, it, interestingly as well, you know, Maeve has this superpower compared to humans where she knows a host when she sees one regardless, right? Because um, her programming makes her do that. So she can tell Bernard and if there are any other like hosts working in those labs or whatever else, um, you know, we're going to we're going to see her able to function through and, and kind of overcome her own code and all that stuff pretty well. Right. And that, it, it speaks to wanting to know. Well, so, OK, so so Maeve's storyline is that she's going to back into the lab with Hector and they'll be able to do significant damage at this point, you would say, because she is obviously in full control. I guess my thing is too, you know, Ford, what part of this, like Ford knows about which part he wants to encourage, which part he doesn't want to encourage. And then also, you know, one thing they've, they've nodded to a lot, which they've actually never followed up on is Ford's saying, you know, we have another, we have our, our new story to write. Like he keeps mentioning this new storyline, right? And, but I don't know. I don't. I think I don't think they've mentioned like what that storyline is. Do you think there's part of like this Maeve kind of going off the rails thing? Is that part? Of, like, do you th- do you see that as like intertwined with whatever Ford's final story he wants to tell is? Like, do you think they're wrapped up together? Yeah, I think there's a lot of interesting ideas around what Ford's final storyline could be. Um, I you know I think the idea that Maeve is somehow involved in it, and you know he's. I mean, Ford's saying too, like he's implying that Bernard is having a hand in this final storyline as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe it is something about like, you know, like imagine a West world where you go in and like, you're one of the guests that's there when the robots take over and the apparent appearance is that they come online and they're going to revolt or something like that would be pretty incredible. Right. (laughs) Like that would be uh, a story that you would share forever. And you'd be like, dude, I was at West world, you know, during the Epic robots revolt storyline. Right. Um, like, I think that would be pretty interesting. Um, uh, I'm not sure, again, and it's so hard because there's been continuity errors issues so far, but, like, I guess I would be surprised if Ford had a direct hand in what's going on with Maeve. I, I think that that smacks way more of an Arnold thing to me. Right, and then the other thing, too, like, is <laughs> at some point, and, and Westworld kind of plays fast and loose with this also, I think, is that, you know, who who's in the zoo on display and who's the guest, right? Like, and who's there to just watch? Like, it could end up going the other way where the humans are brought in to sort of, the humans the humans are brought in to have the the host learn, right? Like, they're the actual attraction and the hosts are the ones that are learning, not maybe the well, other we, way around. We hear about that with the research project, right? Like, the idea of um, the board wanting to get out this valuable research project. Do you think we care about the, you know, what, who goes in here and has sex with the robots or whatever. Like, right. you know, we, we have this research thing going on. So like, right. It could just be some ongoing psychological study. It could be, you know, it could be anything going on. And then the fact that, 
you know, the hosts, um, Angela, again, when she knocks the man in blackout, she says to him, uh, what does she say exactly? She says, oh, you like to play games. We'll try one of ours. You know, like mm-hmm. the idea that if the hosts get powerful enough, maybe now they're just kind of trolling the the guests when they come in. Like, you know, well, also, and what was the thing that Ford said? What was the thing that Ford said about the about the humans, like the humans compared to robots? Right. Yeah. So he uh, so Ford says, um, you know, he's trying to, again, explain their motivations in building the world. He said um, when when we humans ran out of creatures to dominate, we built this beautiful place. And the interesting thing that he goes on to say after that, he says, the real danger to the host isn't me, it's you. And I think that's really, I don't know, for some reason that really cut to the heart, I think, of Ford's motivation and why he might actually be a better guy than we believe. Because So he so follow it for a second, right? So he creates these robot people with Arnold and realizes very quickly, you know, he says they pass the Turing test in the first year. Mm-hmm. Um, he realizes very quickly and obviously has a strong fondness for them, as evidenced by his, you know, wanting to go down and have a drink with that old bartender guy. Then he starts to realize that, you know, as the, the hosts become more lifelike, that they do maybe go through these loops of gaining sentience, right? And they start getting these motivations and they start maybe wanting to escape or to actually figure out how to harm the guests or whatever. Like they realize their plight. And so he's in this weird position, right? Because on one hand, he's like, well, we could just shut the whole park down. Like this isn't working. Now, it makes sense that he wouldn't want to do that for a number of reasons. Um, And maybe he thinks that the host existence that they have now would be better than no existence at all. But the point that he says where the host, the real danger of the host isn't me, it's you. Because if Arnold or Bernard or whoever wants to just have the host escape, and actually live among the people, I think he rightfully points out that people wouldn't stand for that. You know, right. like human beings, you know, they did kill the Neanderthals. They did, you know, dominate big apex predators every single place they go, even harmless ones like wolves that mostly only kill people's sheep and stuff. Like human beings don't like competition. And I think it's very reasonable to assume that Ford's accurate in, in that in that guess. Um, so what do you think? I mean, is is the host, should the viewer be rooting for the host to escape or is that would then just fast track their own demise. I think I need to know more about the outside world before I'm like, able to make that distinction, right? Like I, the, mm. the, the fact mm. that we don't know anything about the world outside of the office building and like the actual park itself makes it hard to know exactly if we want that to happen or not, right? And so like, not, and I don't know if we'll ever get um, a look into that outside world. I suspect at some point we Depends will. Depends how many seasons they get signed on for probably. Right, exactly. And so I, that, that to me is the issue because I just not, I just don't know enough about where they'd be going to like know to picture whether I care if they get there or not. Does that make sense? Well, yeah. And and one thing, you know, again, if they're trying to, you know, keep it accurate on a, you know, on a technical level, it's very rare that some company will come up with some piece of intellectual property that other people aren't able to at least kind of mirror. right? Right. So like the idea that this is the only place in the whole known universe where there's any even remote facsimile of these kind of, walking robot people, especially if they've been passing the Turing test for 30 years, it stands to reason that other people have at least done something similar, right? If not, maybe Westworld is the best in the industry and they've guarded their trade secrets very well. But the fact that you can go in and cut a robot's head off and like look inside of its brain or whatever, like that's leads me to believe that at some point some other competitor would have done something, right? Because robots like these have utility beyond just being mere play things. Like they could 
be all of the productive people in a world, for instance, like <laughs> they can make every single human being be able to live in leisure and luxury. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not, again, it wouldn't be believable to me that Westworld would be the only place where people like this exist given the 30 year time frame. but who knows, right? Well, season um, two is going to be all about the theme park wars, you know, like it's just going to be about like, it's going to be like the, a host version of Walt Disney versus the host version of Ford. And they're just kind of going at it, you know, in terms of like my world against yours. I think that's where the show ends up going. You think so, really? No. Um, I, I think that's actually. I, I do think that it, may, it would make total sense for there to be multiple sort of Westworld-related parks, and maybe this is the original one, and this is the one with the bugs that the Man in Black can explore and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, big companies when you develop something like this, you know, people aren't like, oh yeah, you know what we did? We made Super Mario Brothers, and we called it a day. You know, <laughs> biggest <laughs> like, nah, people make sequels. That's that's what they do. So. Um, I'm, I'm with you there for sure. All right, last episode coming up next week, uh, episode 10. So looking forward to see how Westworld finishes off its first season. We're the host podcast. And if you like what you hear, please go over to iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please give us some kind of rating, uh, preferably good, but you know, it's your, it's your world. If you, you want know. to give us a bad rating because of Doug, no problem. Go for it. <laughs> we'll be back again next week to talk about episode 10. Peace. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 